is not enough, is it? Amen? We need to find something out about the character, what kind of person she was. If you want God to bless in a good marriage, then you'll do some due diligence to find more out about your potential mate than just uh, do they look good or do they, uh, are, are they handsome or beautiful or whatever the matter might be. So uh, failure to do so promises trouble. And one reason we have, I believe, so many failed marriages today is because they are based on just the physical. And, uh, you know, physical beauty fades, does it not? And so we need to have more than that. Uh, they get married and find out that she's not perfect after all. And he isn't always a dreamboat. And uh, they find these things out after marriage. That's what coins that phrase, uh, love is a dream, marriage is the alarm clock. Sometimes it wakes us up and shows us a few things we didn't know beforehand. Uh, but he's doing the proper thing here in finding out about her. Verses 6 and 7. He goes on, uh, the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with the Naomi out of the country of Moab. And, I, and she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather of the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now. Uh, and then you could add the word except, but that she tarried a little in the house. This gave great information about Ruth. This information speaks to her purity, her loyalty, uh, her politeness, and her activity. Good, good traits for marriage and a good traits for it, the character of a person. Speaks of her purity. It's a Moabitish damsel that came for, with Naomi out of the country of Moab. So Ruth came out of the country of Moab to live in Israel. As we've seen before, this showed a disassociation and a separation from idolatry and following the true God. It evidenced the purity of Ruth both in her faith and also in her morals. In selecting a marriage partner, as Boaz obviously is interested in at this time, uh, this is, uh, these are both very essential qualifications. Then we see the loyalty of Ruth. It's found in the words, came back. Uh, the, there are two words are from a Hebrew word, which is twice translated returned in chapter 21, verse 22. So, came back in this verse and returned in 122, same original word. The second returned in chapter 1, verse 22 ref refers to Ruth. Uh, and again, we mentioned this before. She'd never been to Israel, but yet it says she returned. It really speaks to the great loyalty of Ruth. It speaks to the fact that she wanted to be identified with Naomi and Naomi's people from here on out. And it was a commendable trait uh, that did not go unnoticed by the people of Bethlehem. In marriage, loyalty as well is absolutely uh, vital if the marriage will last. Then we see the politeness in Ruth. Look at verse number 7. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Ruth, as we have seen earlier, uh, did not demand her rights, which the law gave her these rights, but she asked. She had a politeness about her. Uh, there's another good character trait of Ruth that commended her uh, to any man that's interested her in her here, and that is her politeness, that she uh, did not demand her rights or what was coming to her, but she exercised good manners. I think we'd all agree that good matters, manners are essential to a good marriage, and so Boaz is wise here in seeking out more information about her. Then we see the activity of Ruth. Verse 7, as it goes on, she had continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. So Ruth's work habits were noted and reported here by Boaz's managers, his overseers, his reapers there, and they were good ones. She was a, an industrious woman. Her hardworking traits here 
uh, it's emphasized in the steadfastness of her work. She continued from the morning until now. And in the shortness, which just says a little here, of her time in, at rest, basically, in our common vernacular, she didn't take long coffee breaks. All right? She was at work all day long, and she applied herself. She rested only as needed and then continued in her gleaning. Now, this is, this is sort of a pet peeve of mine. Uh, when we get into talking about laziness and entitlement and all those things, but uh, we won't go off down that road. It's not what the message is tonight about, but this is a good thing for young people to be able and willing to work and to get out and apply themselves and not look for handouts, but actually look for to apply themselves. And here we see her. Now, every one of us needs a hand up once in a while, but we don't need to, but we need to be willing to apply ourselves, which is exactly what she was doing here, and that's a blessing. Slothfulness spoils marriages, but industriousness preserves them. And so he was again wise in finding this out about her. But tonight, I want to start our text in verse number 8. The Bible says, Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Now, he's talking to Ruth here, and he's, he's, he's already done his little inquisition about her, plus he's heard a lot about her, we'll see in a moment, uh, before this. And so now he's speaking to her, and uh, giving her really, like, open range here. Help herself, he's providing uh, water for her and all these things. Verse 10, Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, how that thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. Father, I pray in the next few moments here that you would just help us to see something from your word that would be a specific challenge to each and every one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking tonight about recompense. Recompense means a compensation or reward given for loss uh, or harm suffered or effort made. Ruth's decision to come to Bethlehem brought about blessing in her life, but it did not do so immediately. They had to go through some hard times of testing before that happened. Uh, there, this is the way it is, by the way, in the Christian life. Reward follows trial. Uh, sometimes we have to be faithful during lean times in our life before we see God bless us and uh, for the, that faithfulness. And that's what we've been encouraging throughout the story of Ruth, that we do that. And one of the great things about Ruth is that when she had no promise of a reward, she was still all about doing the right thing. In fact, she gave up much in her land to come to Israel where Naomi had nothing uh, to offer her but she, to, to follow the right God, to follow the right people, to follow the right morals, and to not uh, be assayed with all, uh, idolatry anymore, this meant everything to Ruth. So she made wise choices, and now she's getting some of this recompense back. Uh, the initial uh, reward for her we see here in the field, as she's beginning to harvest in this field, 
Uh, we, we talked about this before, how the reapers left the, some of the corners, and if they dropped something, they weren't to pick it back up. They were to leave it there for the poor to come and pick up. It was kind of a, a welfare system of that day. And so this is what Ruth was about, picking those things up. And uh, so now Boaz is starting to show her some kindness and favor here. It's an encouraging principle for each of us uh, who have chosen to live for Christ. Reward for living godly does not always come as soon as we start living godly, does it? It's not always immediate. Now, we've talked about this before. That's why people are caught up in sin. The rewards of sin are immediate. Now, they're short-lived. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that the rewards of sin, the pleasures of sin, are but for a season. Moses realized that. And so they're short-lived, and then comes the payment due for that, but uh, they're immediate rewards, and that's why so many people follow down that path. The rewards for serving God are not always immediate, but they're eternal. So uh, we have to make the right choice in that. Faithfulness and diligence will always bring reward to those who continue in it. We just need to stay at it. Stay faithful. It's not always easy. It's not always, you know, raining candy on us, but we continue to be faithful and God always comes through. Can I tell you tonight, God is a debtor to no man. And when we're faithful and we do our part, He always comes through. Nobody that follows Christ will be shortchanged, and we can be assured of that. But I want to look at some, uh, just as Boaz here comes and talks to Ruth, speaks with her, the report about Ruth had impressed Boaz. And so we see first the revealing here of the recompense. He wanted to speak to her about what he could do for her. Now, he's going to do much more for her later, but for now, we see here a place for the gleaning in verse 8 and 9. Uh, he, this is a, uh, basically what he tells her is specified in a five-part request. Two have to do with the field of the site, two have to do with fellowship at the site, and one has to do with focus. And this is the ones I want to look at this evening uh, before we uh, close out the service and, and conclude. But look at the field here. Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence. Verse number 8. So Boaz gave Ruth here two requests directing her to glean in this field and not to go to another field. Uh, gleaning in Boaz's field was the best and most productive place for Ruth at that time. Now, the application for us, and spiritually speaking, really, uh, I think we can take two applications from it. Uh, in salvation, we only go to Christ. There is no other way of salvation. There's no other way a person can attain heaven but through Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the door. I am the way. Uh, there's no man cometh to uh, God, the kingdom of God but through me. And so he said this over and over and over. Uh, the, the Bible says in Acts that uh, apart from Christ that no one is able to come to salvation. I wish I could quote the verse right now, but I can't bring it to mind. Uh, that's, I guess, age, right? So what that, what is, that is, it's... Pastor Forsberg was up here a minute ago and it's rubbing off or something. I don't know what's going on. But uh, we see over and over and over through Scripture, Jesus is the only way to God. Now, Oprah's wrong. There's not a lot of paths to heaven. There's one path, one door, and that's through Jesus Christ. And so we have to go nowhere else other than through Christ. The field of good works, the fields of church membership, the fields of baptism, uh, they will leave you empty. 
we only go in this one field, and that is uh, through Christ. Concerning service now, we ought to stick with where God puts us. When difficulties come, our natural inclination is to go elsewhere, to leave the tough spot and go where the grass is greener. I was thinking about this this week when I was putting some of this together. When I was growing up, we had a, we had a, I lived on farms, and so we had cows and horses. We had this one cow, and we were constantly having to fix this fence just in one area uh, of the field, but uh, there was a, the field was the same thing, but there was a fence running through it, so the grass was the same here as it was here, and she, would ha- she had this habit where she would lean all her weight into the fence and stretch out as far as she could to graze on grass. That was the same grass that was in her field, but she had to reach out, and I was, we used to laugh at it. We, we could actually see it out of our living room window, and, and of course, Dad, as he uh, did, he turned many things in our home into an object lesson, and he turned that into an object lesson many times. That's how people are, always stretching for greener grass on the other side when it really is no better. It, it, the, the best thing we can do, and I, I'm not saying, does God move us? Sure he does. God, I'm not saying you have to stay in the same place your whole life, but you understand what I'm saying. We're, we're sometimes we're so quick to just jump ship when there's a difficulty. Bloom where you're planted. Uh, just serve God where he's got you. Uh, d- the, the Bible says here, Boaz said, go not to another field. Stay where God has put you. Changing fields does not always help the situation. And it doesn't always, for us, in our lives, moving to another location is not always the answer. I love the illustration that I read one time. If you get sprayed by a skunk and you change locations, you still stink. It doesn't solve the problem. Okay. Sometimes we have to go beyond uh, just changing a location and we have to solve the problem. All right. We can't always run from it. Okay. So, uh, again, does God move us sometimes? Sure he does. I'm not, not, not saying that that's not the case, but uh, when, when just because of di- we should not move fields because of difficulty. We, we can move fields because God directs sometimes, but not just because of difficulty. All right. Look at the two directives from Boaz to Ruth here. They're both negative commands. Don't go to another field. Uh, don't uh, glean from some. People don't like negative commands. Uh, people want positivity. And uh, they, they even have a problem with God's negative commands in the Bible. The thou shalt nots of the Bible. A lot of people get hung up on those things. In fact, there's a new... Uh, pe- people write, make new versions of the Bible to take out what they don't like in the Bible. Do you know Thomas Jefferson did that? Thomas Jefferson had a... They called the Thomas Jefferson Bible. He didn't believe in miracles. He thought he was a man of science. Well, he was, but he didn't believe in miracles. And so he would just take his exacto knife and cut out parts of the Bible that he didn't that were miraculous or anything like that. Uh, friends, you can't cut out God's word. Just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true. And so uh, the thou shalt not commands of the Bible are just as full of blessings as the thou shalt commands. They're not just there to be a killjoy in our life. They're there to help us to live better. And so let's not get hung up with the negative commands of Scripture. Obey them and you'll have a positive outcome uh, as we listen to the words God has for us. So, and then that was the field, and then the fellowship part of it. Abide here fast by my maidens, verse 8 and 9, and verse 9 says, Go thou after them. If Ruth gleaned where Boaz told her to do, then she would have fellowship with the female servants of Boaz. 
Now, knowing the character of Boaz, we've just seen a little bit about the character of his, his other overseers. They would probably be good people. Uh, it would be great people for her to get to know. They'd be friendly to her. Remember the last time we talked about his influence on his servants. That was a good thing, uh, the relationship he had with them. Other fields would not provide this fellowship. So God sometimes in his words tells us not only where to go, but with whom to fellowship. And both are important. We ought to desire fellowship with God's people. In fact, I believe it's one of the proofs or the evidences of living a spirit-filled life. If you are a Christian, you're living for God, you're going to want to be around God's people. That's just a natural desire. So what is the primary way that we live out being in the right place and being around the right people? Well, I've got a verse for that, Hebrews 10.25. Forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together, such as the manner some is. And that's referring to church. That's a great place to be, isn't it? That's a great place to find uh, where you hang around God's people and being around people that want to serve the Lord. Yeah, but the church is full of hypocrites. You know what? We can always make room for one more. Amen? So we'll join in. Uh, be, blessing comes from being with the right people as well as being in the right place. That was the fellowship. And then the focus. I love this. Verse 9. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. Oh man, there's so much to be said about this right here. Ruth needed to keep her eyes focused on this field. Don't look at other fields. You might be tempted to go there. Just keep your eye focused on this field here. Boaz is telling her, hey Ruth, this is where your blessing comes from. This is where you're going to be provided for. So just keep your eyes on this field. Going elsewhere would diminish her blessing. But a lot of times, and Ruth could have been fallen victim to this just like a lot of us. We're like that old dumb cow who think the grass is so much better somewhere else and constantly trying to reach for something. It's just out of reach trying to get to that when we've got the same thing right here. Stay in this field, he said. Stay, let thine eyes be in this field. How we need this lesson today. You know, our eyes affect our walk in God's way. Uh, what we look at has a big effect on our life. So what should we do? Keep our eyes focused on the right thing. That's what we need to do as Christians. Keep our eyes focused on the right thing. W growing up Amish, uh, we had horse and buggies. Uh, we had one-horse-powered vehicles. We were real effective in gas. You didn't want to step in the exhaust, but they were real effective in gas. And, uh, but we had blinkers on our, our blinders, I'm sorry, not blinkers, blinders on our horses, and uh, it was to keep the focus uh, forward, because a lot of times, especially younger horses, you get them out on the road, they can get spooked, and, uh, and the worst were motorcyclists. Those were the worst. Amen? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm hitting on my own here, but uh, they, were, they would come by, and as they pass, then roar and spook the horse. But we had these blinders, and, and the purpose of those blinders are to keep the horse's attention focused on what he's doing. And spiritually, we need those blinders sometimes. You know, the devil doesn't need to deceive us if he can distract us. You think this world's got distractions? Oh, yeah. What do we need to do? Put some blinders on. Just keep ourselves looking forward. Keep your eyes on the field. How many times could that apply to our life and our service? Keep your eyes on the field. 
don't focus your eyes on evil or you'll be tempted to leave that which is good. Keep your eyes focused on the right thing. Can I take a step further? Talking about this greener grass. Uh, and it's a lot of people, I believe, really fail in this area. Constantly chasing that greener grass on the other side of the fence and miss God's best for themselves. I'm convinced that we're much too transient in our society today. Uh, really in every area. We see it, I mean, we're talking about church here. We see it in churches. Uh, we see it in relationships, in marriages. Instead of working things out, instead of restoring, people just leave. Jobs, you know, it was a time, uh, my, uh, I guess maybe even before my time, but there was a time when a guy got a job and he worked it until he retired, and it was, uh, I don't know what the average was, but I know today uh, the statistic is that by, your, by the time you're in your 40s, you've had, off, uh, I think it's like 28 jobs is the average that people have had. They'll just move and move and move and move jobs. And again, I know there's times that you change jobs. There's not, nothing wrong with that. But we have such a transient attitude towards everything today. If marriage doesn't work out, leave it. Go, to, go get another one. If the job doesn't work out, leave and it. And it's coming to our churches too, where people just go from church to church to church trying to find the right thing. I'm just say, simply saying tonight, just be faithful. Be where God puts you. Keep your eye on the field. The answer is not always to look for greener grass on the other side of the fence. Just uh, stay faithful. You know what, hap- what we should do when the going gets difficult? Just stay faithful. Keep on going. One of my favorite illustrations. Abraham Lincoln. At age 23, he lost his job and he lost his first election. At age 24, he failed at his first business endeavor. At age 25, he was elected to state legislature. At age, age 26, his sweetheart died. At 27, he had a nervous breakdown. At 29, he lost another election. At 33, he was finally permitted to practice law in the district courts. But at 34, he was defeated for the nomination for Congress. At 39, he had another election defeat. He lost his renomination. At 41, his four-year-old son dies. At 45, he's defeated for U.S. Senate. At 47, he's defeated again for the nomination for vice president. At 49, he's defeated again for U.S. Senate. At 51, he's elected the president of the United States. He just didn't quit. Kept on going. Now that, pretty much any one of those, is enough to make a lot of people quit. I'm just saying, keep plugging on. I love the words he said, let thine eyes be on the field they do reap. Keep your eyes on your work. Keep your eyes on your duty. And uh, that's going to do us a lot of good. If we get our eyes off of what everybody else is doing, if we get our eyes off of all the worldly distractions, and we just keep our eyes focused on where God wants us, and what he wants us to be doing, uh, we'd be a whole lot better off. So that's a great advice that he gave her there. Verse 9, uh, just uh, one more little thing here in verse 9. When thou art a thirst, go down to the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Boaz promised Ruth water for her gleaning. Now, this is a vital thing. Working in the fields all day, it's even more important than food. Working in the hot fields, your body's, uh, body perspires. And it needs to be hydrated. You notice I... We're talking about a woman here, Ruth. That's why I said it, it perspires. Men sweat. Ladies perspire. Okay. 
Somebody even put it, men sweat, women glow. Whatever it is, whatever you want to say. So because of her glowing, she's going to need to be hydrated, all right? And Boaz assures here that she's going to have what she needs. He promised her that if she gleaned, if she kept doing her work, she kept getting, what, getting her work done, she would have, uh, her thirst would be satisfied. It illustrates the fact that God's promises are always an encouragement to obey his precepts. So he had given her some instruction, and now he tells her the fact that, you know, you're going to be sustained throughout your, if you continue doing what the instruction was, you're going to have what you need to sustain you. God never tells us to do something and then doesn't sustain us in the process. God says to ride, he'll provide the horse, amen? He's going to sustain what we do. He's going to enable us when we do that. So, uh, just some challenges for you this evening. I hope those are a help. And, of course, we didn't get to finish again, but that's okay. Uh, we'll continue on next week. And uh, pray that we'll be able to make a, an impact for the Lord this week and uh, put to use what God teaches us. Amen? But the thought for the evening that we take home tonight, let's bloom where we're planted. Let's serve where God put us. And let's be faithful. Do not let difficulty, troubles, trials distract you from doing the right thing. And the reward will come. It won't be immediate always, but it'll come. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the time we have. Thank you for each and every one that's here. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless.